Good morning. This is the party service, right? Because you guys slept in a little bit. You've had your breakfast, your coffee. You're with me, right? No one's fallen asleep today. Everyone was asleep in the last couple services. I don't think it was me, but um, okay, just kidding. So happy Mother's Day. It's so good to be back with you guys. It's been two years. I was here, took a break last year, and then it wasn't good. So I'm like, well, I should come back again. So happy to be here. I brought a picture of my family to update you. This is, this is my posse. Elijah's 12, Lydia's almost 10, and Jordis is 7, and Shiloh's 41. I'm 22, but it's fine. And what you don't see from this picture is what was really happening is my son was saying, Mom, why do you have to ruin every fun holiday with this picture taking it so hard? And then my, my husband supports me and chimes in because that's what moms do. So you guys, I'm going to ruin everybody's holiday today. Did you guys see the photo booth that's set up in the back? After the service, make your way back there. There's photos. You'll get one instantly. You'll get one emailed. And the lighting's really good. I was telling Lance that it looked like I have Botox in the picture. So it's free Botox and a photo shoot for all the moms. Sorry, everyone else. Your lives are ruined. But this is what moms like. They like gifts and pictures and things like that. So I've got a gift for someone. I've got a copy of Totally Desperate Mom for the mom here who has the youngest child. Who has the, a, a kid that's one or, or younger? Anyone? Oh, sister. How old you got over there? And look at, she's dressed. You look showered. There might even be makeup on. Oh, what? How old over there? Two months? Okay. You come, I only have one right now, but they're in the back. So I'm going to go two months because she's probably can not walk as well as you can. So look at you guys coming all oh, so cute and he's awake. So just stop by at the table back there. I have those for sale. I also, um, I brought something special to give away. This is a key necklace and on it, it says faith for obvious reasons. We're in a church. If you guys didn't know, you're like, wait, I thought we were going to the movies. No, it's a church. We're going to talk about faith. And so there's also a little double meaning that you'll find out later in my talk. This I want to give to anyone who is having their first Mother's Day without their mom, that their mom is passed. Anyone first Mother's Day without mom? We got one. Oh gosh. Holy cow. So first Mother's Day where your mom is not with you anymore. So keep them up. One, two, three, four. Well, shoot, I'm going to go bankrupt here. You'll have to come out to me, but I'll give this one over here. And I actually brought some of these to sell too for the dads in here that are like, it's Mother's Day? Oh, crud, I forgot to go to Walgreens. So where did we go? Okay, so the other three of you come, just grab, they'll be out on the table. And for the rest of you, we have flowers. So raise your hand if you're a mom, you're going to get flowers. The good start to the day. That one's just a stem, no flower, don't do it. I saw like, oh, here you go, your flower died. No. Lots of moms. So I'm going to start, even though we got a little bit of action still going. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about love and the great love story. And I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about the love that's in my family. And I need to update you on a story about my family. Because when I was here last time, 
I was talking about parenting, and one of my points was that you can influence your children, but you can't control them. You can influence them greatly, the way you care for people, the way you spend your time, your money, the way you respond when you're hurt. You, they are watching you, or you are influencing them, but ultimately, you can't control them. And so I spoke on Saturday night with this, and I came back Sunday, and I said, oh, be still my soul, as I was coming out the door this morning to speak. My, my five-year-old at the time, Jordis, was looking through these compassion kids we sponsor, and then she came out to me, and she gave me $20 and said, mom, this is from my gift jar, and I want to give it to you. And I thought, it's true. We can influence them to be generous givers. And I came and I shared that with you Sunday about like, yes, we can influence them. Well, I didn't get to share you, share with you the follow-up to the follow-up because when I got home, I found out she'd given 20 bucks to her brother. And that was a little suspicious because she's five. She's not that rich. And then she brings out her wallet and there's just wads of cash in there. There's dollar bills, about $70. And so sweet little Joris, I brought a picture of what you're visualizing in your head right now because she's so precious and giving, you know, the flowers, there should be birds and lullabies going. And the real picture of Joris is the next picture because really little sweet Joris is a thief. (laughs) She's a thief because where did she get all her money? Joris, where did you get your money? I just had it. I just have it. No, Jordis, where is that money from? I know you didn't have that much money. I, I'm not telling you. Did you get it from me? Did you get it from my purse? I'm not saying, no. Did you get it from grandma's house yesterday? No. Did you get it from daddy? I'm not telling you. So, and it becomes a moment where we just can't even parent anymore. And if you're looking for a phrase for that, my, my girlfriend and I made this up because sometimes your kids do something. And if you're a kid here, plug your ears. You can't know these things. But sometimes your kids do something that's so wrong, but it's so funny that you just can't parent it. And so we call that CPT, can't parent that, where you just kind of walk away and go, CPT, oh my gosh. So we're CPT in this big time. The whole family's involved. We're questioning her. We're crying. We're laughing so hard that she's like eating it up. So then we go to my mom's for Mother's Day and the whole family gets involved in questioning Jordis. And, and um, at one point she goes, okay, I'll tell you where I got it if you give me $5. <laughs> like of your stolen money. And then my brother who's single, no kids, looks at me and he says, you're not winning. And so finally later in the day she says, from your purse. So yeah, we can influence our children but we cannot control them. We try and teach them about things and then sometimes they just become thieves. And so that's Jordis. That's the follow-up on her. And then we think, well, it's okay. You know, they say you teach them at home and maybe they're not as good at home, but then when they go out into the world, that's when the true color shown of everything, all the love you've poured into them. So we send our kids to public school to show the love that we have poured into them. And so this is my son's kindergarten homework. This is how the love comes out. Could it, he could have said pastor or something, preach, but we got pee, poop, and popcorn and, t- you know, it's true. Okay, so fine. So maybe, maybe school is not the place where they're going to show all the love that we've poured into them. Maybe it's church. They'll go to church and they'll have like all the right Jesus Sunday school answers. So we send them to church and this is third grade. My son's work when they ask at Sunday school, write about a sign that you've seen before. You cannot be in this pool if you have had active diarrhea in the last 14 days. 
And you know what? He's, he's telling the truth. He's not lying like his sister. So I guess we should take comfort in that, that we are pretty much crushing, crushing it as parents. So I'll be leading a seminar after church today about parenting, if you'd like to join me. Um, the kids can really fill our tanks. We try and pour into them, and then this is what they bring t- out to the world. So sometimes I think maybe our families aren't created so much for the love as they are for heart attacks, for giving you heart attacks. Dads at parks are awesome. And so here's a picture I brought of my husband in full action at the park, taking the kids. (laughs) I guess you've spotted my daughter. And look at his face. Oh, Um, I have to say though, you guys, my daughter, she's almost 10. She is an amazing tumbler. Amazing, and I believe this is where it started because she got that sense of what it's like to be up in the air with no control. And so she, I think that's what sparked it right there. And then my son, so if that doesn't give me a heart attack, send my son to Christian camp up in the mountains and he goes to their day camp and I go to pick him up and he's eight and they say, um, by the way, your son today, tonight, um, he ate a live toad. <laughs> so just a heads up on that. What? Apparently a counselor, there were some frogs that had jumped in and they got cooked and one of the counselors made a s'more with, s'more with the cooked toad and then dared him and he, they didn't think any of the kids saw it and they all did and then dared him to eat one and he, of course the counselor, he's not going to do it. He's eight, he's going to do it. So he just popped a toad, it was like the size of a thumb and he was the hero of the camp until mom came and said, you did what? We need to go to the nurse's office, you could get listeria or salmonella or totadella. I don't know like what you're going to get. So we go to the nurse and she is actually having a CPT moment because she's like, um, okay, uh, I haven't had this one before. So we'll, we'll go to the internet and I'll look that up. And there's nothing on the internet. It's all about dogs eating toads, no kids. It, now, if you go on the internet and search, my son ate a live toad, you'll find my story on my blog. That's it. That's all the intel that we've got on that. And I can tell you he's 12. He seems to be doing fine. But every once in a while, like when he doesn't listen or, you know, I'm thinking maybe it was the toad. Maybe that's it. This is the long-term effects. So there's so much love. It's so fun being a mom and there's so much love, but it's not the ultimate. It's not the ultimate love story. Maybe marriages, maybe it's finding your soulmate. My husband was here last night and I warned him, I'm throwing you under the bus. My kids are like, what's the bus? I'm like, you'll see. (laughs) So I'm, he's a great guy and I can only do this bus thing because he does a lot of other good things and just not mother's day. So for example, I don't know if there's any men out here that have this philosophy, but I want you to change it right now. This is his philosophy as I'm telling him, you know, I'd like a massage. I'd like the day off. I'd like all these gifts. I'd like warrior's tickets. You can put, don't put the warrior's tickets, by the way, if you have them in the offering basket, those go directly to me. If anyone has those, I will receive those. So anyway, um, so I tell him these things and you know what he's, his philosophy is on mother's day. You're not my mom. <laughs> so marriage, it's not it. I mean, it's great, but it's not the ultimate love story. Where can we go? Where do we look for the ultimate love story? I'm saying that we got to go to Hollywood because Hollywood offers tremendous potential for love. We see it all the time. And in fact, at nine years old, I knew this. So I decided 
I wanted to be an actress. And so I looked in the yellow pages and found a talent agent and called and left a message on their answering machine and said, hi, I'm Wendy. I'd like to get into acting, do some TV shows. Give me a call. And so they called back and got my mom who didn't know that I had done this and was, what? My daughter did what? Okay, I guess, whatever. So we meet with the talent agent and I started uh, acting and print work and stuff in the Bay Area at nine years old. And I was really living the dream. I was loving it. It was something I had always dreamed of doing and I was doing it. And there was just one thing missing in my life. And his name was Scott Bayo. <laughs> and I had written about him in school. I brought a, uh, one of my essays that I wrote my future. In 25 minutes, I'm going to LA and then I'm going to marry Scott Bayo. He's so cute. Then I'm going to be Joni on Joni Loves Chachi. We're going to own it. We're going to own a Mannion, duh, and have a butler, of course, and we'll have two probably kids. And so I got an agent in LA in the search for Scott Bayo and I started going on auditions and, and would drive and fly down with my mom or my dad to go on auditions down there. And when I was 14, I landed a role on the new Lassie, which was a syndicated remake of the old one. I brought a picture of my Lassie family with Dee Wallace Stone and Christopher Stone and Will Estes, who's on Blue Bloods, if you watch that. I love that show on Friday nights. Um, Anyway, so I was living the dream and having a great time. And in fact, as destiny would have it... Lassie had the same producers as Charles in charge, Scott Baio's show. And so I got to go to his show and he directed some episodes of Lassie. I have a picture of, of Scott and I. <laughs> the only problem was at this point, I kind of realized the age gap. He was quite a bit older than me. And then this whole shirt thing, I was like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that shirt. I can't. It's not going to work. It's not, sorry. So we didn't get married. And then I was fine, though, because I kind of had moved on to Kirk Cameron at this point. And he was four years, four months older than me. And I knew he was Christian. And I knew that it was going to work. And so the, the publicity, publicity people for Lassie knew that I liked Kirk. So they got me this picture. And you probably can't see it because your eyes are bad and stuff. But it says, to Wendy, will you marry me? It says that. But I, and I ended up actually doing a guest spot on Growing Pains, his show. And um, at that time, though, he was already dating Chelsea Noble, that model, supermodel girl. Eh, if you like tall models, fine, Kirk, fine. <laughs> Crush me. So it didn't work out with him, just the failed love stories. <laughs> but don't, you guys don't feel sorry for me. Because I married, you're not my mom. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm still living the dream. Don't even feel bad. It's fine. Now, here's the real deal. The reason I had such a good experience in Hollywood, despite my failed love stories, is because I was grounded in faith at that time. I knew about a real love story, and that was God loving me specifically and unconditionally. And the great, unconditionally, and the great love story that I want to share with you today. And a lot of you have heard it, and some of you maybe haven't. Some of you have discarded it. Maybe some of you are being hardened. Maybe you're going through a hard time, so you're having a hard time hearing about God's love. But really, the message for today is that God loves us, and he steps into our stories wherever we're at, whether it's Hollywood or whether it's pain, that God loves us and he is with us, whether you're young or old or feeling empty or filled up or you're divorced or you're single or you're grieving. God loves you, and he sees you here this morning. 
And despite what you might think about me based on my failures in parenting, I really do try and teach my children about the gospel and about this great love. And I'm going to share a story I shared with them for those of you that maybe need to see the gospel with new eyes or haven't heard it. And it involves a bumblebee. Now, this bumblebee was found on the internet, but there was another bumblebee that was stuck in our sliding glass door. So we, ha- we were at breakfast one morning, and this bee was stuck between the glass and the screen. You know how the- that happens, and you see them, and if they go that way, they get stuck because there's the little grisly things and then the wall, or they can go that way, and then they're out. Why don't they go out? They just stay in the screen and are stuck. And so, of course, this is entertaining to children. So we're over there staring at the bumblebee and saying, Bumblebee, go this way. Go the, you're going the wrong way. You keep hitting your head. That's so dumb. It's just, woo, right there. You're free. And I said, kids, what can we do to get this information to this bumblebee? How could we get this bumblebee out of here? He's not listening to us. I said, what if we could become a bee? and go in there into the screen and say, buzz, 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 follow me this way, show the way, speak the bumblebee language and get down on that bee's level. Then the bee would know the way to freedom. And I said, this is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus is a bee? No, this is a metaphor. But God, in his great love for us, has stepped down and sent Jesus to show us the way to get down on our level and has humbled himself as a servant to say, go this way. Stop trying to follow your own way. It doesn't work. It doesn't lead to freedom. You think it does, but it doesn't. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself. He got down on our level to speak. He became a bee, so to speak, for us to show us the way to this great love story. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still going our own way, while we are still on the screen, banging our heads, Christ died for us. He said, I love you so much that I would come to earth and die for you. And this really is what distinguishes Christianity from any other religion, if, you've, if you're looking into it. That this is God coming down to us, not us trying to be good enough to reach God. But instead, God sent Jesus to say, it's enough. Take my grace. That's it. Follow me. Turn from the dead end and follow me. It's the way to freedom. Jesus came to set us free. And some of you are hearing this and going, yes. Amen. Preach. I feel it. I know God's love. I've been there. I've hit my head and I'm gone the other way and I get it. And some of you are like, I don't relate to any of this. I don't relate to you and your charmed upbringing. I've had an abusive past. I don't get, I don't under, I don't understand. Yeah. You have God's great love because you've had a pretty good life. I don't relate and I don't sense God. If God loves me, then why this in my life? Maybe you relate a little bit more to this. This is from May 5th, 2002. I know you are real, the prophecies, the manuscript evidence, etc. I've seen you do amazing things in me and in others. You're real, but right now I just don't feel you. It's so strange to me that I'm questioning and trying to understand your love for me. I never thought I could be at this place. This weekend's theme at this woman's retreat for my church was all about your love. But then I say, well, you love everyone. How is that special that you love me? What can I do to be close to you? Wait or go into a a serving ministry or fast or go through a hard time? 
I wouldn't inflict that on myself, but I do envy Sally for the closeness she has to you as a result of her husband leaving her and cheating on her. And I envy Pastor Steve as a result of his illness. He's so close to you. Please draw me close, whatever it takes. So at this time, in the spirit, this was me. 14 years ago in the spiritual desert, questioning, where is, how does God love me specifically? And I was still going to church, and I was still going to Bible study, and I kept hearing the same message over and over, and I was actually practicing a spiritual discipline that I didn't even know existed called accidental scripture memory. You guys heard of this? No? I just made it up, but here's, here's, then you'll get this. Have you ever been in a place where you just keep hearing the same verse? You go to church, and you hear the same verse or the same kind of message, and then you go to a doctor's office, and you see a book, and it's got the same message, and it's just everywhere. That God's obviously trying to communicate to you, but you're like, eh, I'm not really learning anything. I don't get it. And Acts 17, 26 was that verse for me. And it's, it goes like this. God has determined the time set for men and even the places that they should live. God has determined the time set for men and even the places they should live. And I was hearing it at the women's retreat, and I'm hearing it at Bible study and all these places, and I've accidentally memorized it. And then I go to a Bible study with the wives of Giants players, because one of my best friend's husband played for the Giants. And they get the verse too. And I thought, oh, this is so good for them because they don't know if they're going to be in AAA tomorrow or if they're going to be here. So what a great verse for them. But everything in my life is under control. So I don't really even get this. This is not for me. And I just don't feel God. Nothing really crazy in my life, but I don't know about this verse. Well, little did I know that when I was journaling that I don't, where's God, I was pregnant. And then we found out I was pregnant, and we were excited. And then we went to our 20-week ultrasound, where they look at all the baby's parts and tell you if it's a boy or a girl. And the doctor's going through the ultrasound, and she says, Wendy, I need to be really serious with you right now. Your baby has a lot of problems. And she began to go down the list. Your baby has a cleft lip and a cleft palate. And by itself, it's fixable with surgery. But if we go down a little bit further in the ultrasound, your baby has a heart defect. And by itself, it's fixable, but... There's another problem. The baby's intestines are on the outside of her body, and that's called an seal. And we could do surgery on that if that was the only thing. But based on the three major midline defects, I'm pretty certain your daughter has trisomy 13 or trisomy 18, and it's fatal, and it's not compatible with life. And most babies don't make it to birth, and most people abort. And I can picture the room, and I can picture the phone, And I can remember vividly having to call my brother, to call him, to call my parents. And I remember the tears and the pain and the devastation. But you know what else I remember? I remember Acts 17, 26, that I had accidentally memorized when I wasn't learning anything. That God's determined the time set for men and even the places where they should live. And immediately God's peace that passes understanding that came over me. And immediately I knew that God loved me specifically and not just as a face in the crowd. And in the midst of the pain and the suffering and the devastation, I knew that God was in control. And that doesn't mean that you're like, woo, God's in control. I don't even need to be sad and he'll take care of it. No, there's still pain and there's still hurt and there's still unknown and fear a little bit. But knowing that we serve a God that loves us and that steps into our suffering and is right there with us can bring such peace in this broken world. And that's the thing. It wasn't like God was like, oh, you want to be close? Boom, here's this. That's not how it works. We just live in a fallen, broken world where there's sin and there's disease and there's suffering. And sometimes you're a really good person and you're following God and life sucks. 
Can I say that in church? Because I just did. But we have a God that is real and who's with us and in it and loves us and is right beside us saying, I see you and I love you and you're not suffering alone. And so this is what God did with me and for me throughout my whole pregnancy. And sure, there was days where I didn't want to get out of bed and days where I cried until there was nothing left. But ultimately, I had the peace of God with me, carrying me in a situation that was awful. Fast forward a little bit until I, I think I was about 32 weeks pregnant and my husband and I were struggling because we had to decide her birth plan. And I wanted to do comfort care. Based on my research and talking to people and seeing all her defects, I didn't think she was going to make it very long if she even made it to birth. And we had decided that despite all the medical community and all the pressure to abort, that we were going to let God decide when it was her time. And so he wanted to do intubation and epinephrine and just do anything to just keep her alive. And I didn't want her to suffer. And so we were battling and we went to a counselor and finally my husband said, okay, we won't intubate her. If she can't breathe on her own, we'll let her go. And so we agreed to that. And then he totally just shut down emotionally because he just couldn't cope with that decision. And so I was at a place where I felt like I'm going to lose my baby and I'm going to lose my husband. So we were having a really hard time and I told him, you know, if she's doing better than I th- we think, and she can breathe, and I'll talk to somebody about a possibility of surgery. So we set up an appointment with a doctor at Children's Hospital in Oakland, and no offense if any of you guys are surgeons or married to one, but you know they're supposed to be like the arrogant jerks that think they know everything and play God. So we sit down with the surgeon, and I start telling him where we're coming from, and he says, okay, listen to me, God, God wants to, and he says, wait a minute, you Christian? And I said, yes, are you? And he says, yes, born again. By the way, this is Nigerian accent. If you're like, I'm not really getting that, it's Nigerian, and I'm nailing it, so just listen. And so he says, listen, the devil, he tried to rob you of your joy. The devil, he tried to come between you and your husband. But God, he going to take care of your baby and your whole family. I just start bawling. Because this is our God who takes a man, a surgeon, who, by the way, was led to the Lord by an American missionary woman when he was 19 living in Nigeria. And here he is back here ministering to me in my darkest hour saying, God sees you, God loves you, God's going to take care of you. And this is what God does if you just look to him instead of keep going your own way. He wants to step into your suffering and your pain and he's going to use it for his glory and your good. He's so good. He loves you. He sees you. This was God saying, I see you, Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y. Using this doctor and we prayed with him and it was completely a spiritual appointment because there was nothing medically he could do at that time. He had to wait till she was born. And God did this time and time again during this period in my life. And, and our daughter Faith was born five weeks early and I've got a picture and that's why I've got Faith on those necklaces And she lived for four days, and we got to hold her and love her until she just ditched us for heaven. And so much beauty came out of those ashes, and so much beauty out of that pain. And I understand if you're in it right now, like if you're in the midst of the grit of the pain, it's a lot harder. It doesn't feel good. And that's okay, but that doesn't mean God's not there and that he's not with you and he can't bring you peace. And that's what he did with this. And he continues to bring redemption out of her story. 14 years later, I ministered to three people in the last month that are in similar situations with their pregnancy. 
Her story goes on. Our pain and our tears are never in vain. And God sees you in it and is right there with you. I'm going to close with a story about after she passed away and our friends had gotten together and raised money for us to go on a trip. So we went to Hawaii and I found a place on the internet and this was before Yelp and TripAdvisor and reviews and stuff like that. And so it looked really good online and it said it was where they filmed Gilligan's Island. So I'm like, I'm in. I loved Gilligan. So we get there at night and we pull up into this gravel driveway and there's all these dogs barking and just, and I love dogs. My husband does not. So he's in the car like, you can go in. I'm, I'm just going to sleep in the car tonight. So we go in finally and it's all mildewy and moldy because it's so close to the water, I guess, that the water lives also in the building. And so then there's a big leak on the kitchen sink and a big one. And then the owners were not very accommodating or nice about it. So we decided we just can't stay here and they weren't going to give us our money back. You know, we had to pay it all up front. And so the next day we called my girlfriend, Kendra, because she was staying on the island. This was in Kauai and we knew she was in Poipu. So I called her and I said, Kendra, just give me a name of a hotel. I'm not going blind on this one. Just anywhere, just something legit. Where should we stay? And she said, oh, come stay with us because my family has this house and we're just staying upstairs. So the whole, there's a whole separate downstairs unit that's open and you can come stay here for free. So check this out. So we show up to the mansion on the beach in Poipu and stay there for the week. And, and Kendra had to leave a day early, so we had to get a hotel. We got a hotel in Kapa'a. Has anyone been to Kauai? Okay, so some of you are like feeling this. You're like, yeah, I know Poipu in Kapa'a. It's in the middle of the island. We get a hotel, and we end up in the strip mall on the last day. And we're walking through the strip mall, and we see a Calvary Chapel. And my husband makes a comment about going there, but I thought it was weird because it was a Sunday late afternoon. So we just kind of walk by, go into the ABC store, because... ABC stores are awesome. You know how many magnets you can get there? And like (laughs) macadamia nuts? A lot. And so we're in the ABC store and he says, well, you didn't, let's go back to the church. You said you didn't want to go in there. And I said, oh, I didn't think you were serious. Let's, let's go back in there. I'll go in. And this is all significant, all this timing. So we walk back to the Calvary Chapel. And as we walk into the foyer of this random church in a strip mall, there's a pastor, what looks like to be a pastor with a headset. And we said, oh, are you having a church service right now? And he said, yeah, we're about to start a service for people who have lost babies. Like that ever happens in the history ever, anywhere, anytime, any day. The strip mall in Kauai. And we said, oh my goodness, we're here because we just lost our baby. And he said, well, this is a divine appointment. Come in and people are getting roses and naming babies they had miscarried and boarded and lost and infant loss and like total divine appointment. And once again, God's saying, I see you, Mario, not just a face in the crowd. I see you, Rich. I see you, Freddie. I know your name. I know what you're going through. I love you specifically, specifically, and unconditionally, and I'm right there with you. And he works all the details out. And sometimes we're in a detail that stinks and we don't know why and why it's hard to even see the big picture. But for us, you could have said, well, oh man, after all that you went through and you end up in this dump in Kauai that you lose all your money for and you end up there. Oh, well, that's so sad. Well, if we'd not been there, we would not have ended up in the mansion. And if we were not in the mansion, we wouldn't have ended up in Kapa'a in the hotel. And if we hadn't ended up there, we wouldn't have ended up in the strip mall. And had we not passed the Cal- 
Calvary Chapel when we did, we wouldn't have been in the ABC store had we not gone back to Calvary Chapel at just that time. We would not have walked in at the specific time where he says, welcome, we're about to sell, start a service that has your name written all over it. And that's what God does. And my hope for you this morning is that you would feel that fresh touch from the Holy Spirit saying, I see you and I love you. And this is the greatest love story. Yeah, marriage can be great and kids can be great and family is good. And there's all kinds of different love going on in this world. But the best and the greatest and the ultimate and the unfailing love is that of our Heavenly Father who steps into our Hollywood highs and into our painful lows. And says, I see you, I love you, and I'm going to carry through, carry you through this and bring purpose and beauty out of this pain. And so if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, you haven't gotten on board on the Jesus train and you haven't surrendered your life to him, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Come talk to someone that says staff or I'll be out here to pray or talk to anyone. Don't leave here a mess. Don't leave here confused or with questions or drawn to God and not knowing what to do. Do something about it because there's a God that wants a relationship with you. Don't wait any longer to get more facts together or tell your life's right or whatever. Just come to him. And if you are a believer, I pray that you would be energized with his love and that you'd be wanting to go share it out with the world. No matter where you're at and be honest with where you're at. You can be a believer following God, loving God, doing all the right things and have a marriage that's struggling. And you can be vulnerable and say, I need help. Be the body of Christ for one another and then out into the world. Thank you so much for coming this morning. There's no accidents. There's a reason that God brought you here. And I talked to some people after the last service, and it's just so cool what God does. Like there's some people's names he should have just had at the top of the program from talking to people. God is so good. Trust him. Trust him. I'm going to close this in prayer. God, thank you for this awesome church and a place we can gather and talk about you and worship you and share our tears and our joy. You're so good. I pray that we would feel that. And for anyone that's just in the darkness, in the deepest of pain, in the deepest of struggle, I pray that your spirit would just minister to him or her and bring peace and joy and maybe some answers and that everyone would walk away feeling So, so very loved. In Jesus' name we pray.